Hey everyone, and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. My name is Steve Burge, and I'm the CEO here at OS Training. I've been involved in open source for well over a decade now, and I still love to meet fascinating people that have had interesting lives outside of open source. And today's guest, Alan, is a perfect example of that. At the moment, he is the lead engineer at Mortic, which is open source marketing automation. He started off as a nurse. How he actually got from being a nurse to being a lead engineer at a successful venture capital funded startup? Well, that's the subject of today's podcast. Hey, and uh, welcome, Alan. Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. Alan, how would you describe your role at Mortic? You're the, the senior engineer? Yeah, the, I was the founding engineer, the first person to write the first line of code, and then currently the title, the lead engineer. And so get to kind of mentor and manage our code base. So it's a lot of fun. You're the big kahuna when it comes to <laughs> development at Mortic? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Although we have a great team, so I can't take all the credit. And for those of you who don't know, Mortic is it's open source marketing automation? That's correct. Who do you consider to be the rivals for Mortic? Uh, companies like HubSpot? Yeah, HubSpot, Marketo. Um, those are kind of our, our two big ones. Mortic's doing pretty well. Yes, it is. Um, we're, we're growing. We're hiring more um, engineers. Actually got two coming on within the next month. And so we're, we're doing well. So you have the lead engineer position, the founding engineer position at a, a pretty hot startup. But if I'm right from what I know about you, you started off in a really, a pretty different career. You started as a nurse? I sure did. Yeah. Started uh, nursing, actually I got my license in Virginia and did my education in Virginia. Then we ended up moving to Texas just a couple months after that. So I got my first job in Texas as a nurse. Um, it was kind of a, uh, Good opportunity for good pay and I loved helping people which I think also kind of lent to my attraction to open source as well and just the communities around it. Okay so I'm going to ask a pretty ignorant question so apologies in advance. I, I was a teacher in a previous life and teaching is 95% female mm -hmm. uh, particularly at the levels I was teaching in middle school and, and that age group. Was it the same in nursing school? Were you looking at being five percent male in your class with uh 95 percent females yeah that's uh, that's probably about right we had uh, maybe a little more we had um i think about five guys out of a class of i want to say it was around between 50 and 75 it's been some years i don't remember exactly but there weren't many of us that's for sure <laughs> now th those percentages may have changed in recent years i know there's been a big push to to get men in nursing yeah the same in teaching too although it never seems to work entirely <laughs> Uh, what attracted you to being a nurse? Yeah, I, I think it was just more of the opportunity to help people. Actually, I had done a trip to Africa before I made that decision, and there was a kid named Patrick who, he just kept his ankle always covered with a sock and just kind of limped on it. I knew something was up, and so after looking at it, it, it was definitely infected. Like, we cleaned it up, and we got him to the doctor to get some antibiotics, and he was just a totally different kid after that. And that was kind of the trigger that I knew I wanted to go into healthcare to help people. And nursing was just a, a it's kind of a quick two-year program. And so it was just kind of a, a good fit to jump into, into that. So. so is it one of those things you never forget? So if you're out on an airplane or 
out in public and someone calls for medical help, you'll go running over still? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are definitely some things you don't forget. I mean, there are some some little various disease processes or lab values, things like that you forget. That, but try my best to, I, I still have my license and I do continue in education to so try and keep up with that just in case I ever want to go back. So tell me a little bit about your nursing career. Did you work in a, in a hospital? Where did you work? Yeah, my first job was in a prison actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so since moving to Texas, I kind of missed the window of opportunity to get into hospital internships. And it was either between the prison or the nursing home. And the prison was, of course, like, yeah, we'll take you, no problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's where I actually was my first job. Worked there for about a year and a half and until a hurricane came through and actually destroyed the prison hospital. And at that point, I ended up going um, to another hospital in the area. Wait, wait, wait. That's an interesting start to your career. You just almost blew past that one. Um, sorry <laughs> for the pun. Um, a hurricane came and knocked down the hospital? Yeah, it did a lot of damage. We were actually planning to bunker down and, and weather it out, but thankfully they decided to evacuate the, the inmates the last minute, and so we got to leave. It was a good thing, too, because the island was shut down for weeks after that. Ike, Ike was quite the doozy. So Ike was just before or just after Katrina? I think it was after. Okay. Was it? Uh, I remember soon after Katrina, maybe a second hurricane came by and everyone got scared again, and it it hit Texas instead. And yeah, that was right. the main. Yeah, it, it was a bad spell for hurricanes. Um, so the the hospital just got wiped clean to the ground. Yeah, it, it was just too much damage to to continue out of there, and so I got transferred to a unit outside of the island. It was on Galveston Island. Um, and it just wasn't the same. And then actually I got transferred into working a clinic that kind of was um, to try and help identify cancer patients in early stages, still within the prison system. But at that point I kind of missed the more one-on-one -on -one patient care and ended up transferring to, to the hospital, uh, closer to home in the free world, quote unquote. So working in a prison hospital is probably similar to working in a school or something. It's uh, just a lot of people coming in and out all the time. You don't really get to to have a doctor-patient or nurse-patient relationship. Yeah, that was um, after Hurricane Ike and I was in the position in the clinic as doing the cancer things. That was definitely the scenario. That's what I missed. Prior to that, we actually had one-on-one -on -one patient care. Um, the The patients were there for however long they needed to be. Um, days or weeks just till they got better enough to, to go back to their unit. And so I got to spend a lot of time with some of the patients. So tell me about the, the cancer research. You were trying to identify people that were showing symptoms or how did that work? Yeah, so a lot of people kind of slip through the cracks and they may have a nodule on an x-ray that got overlooked or something like that, um, especially in the prison system. And so this this clinic's goal was to try and kind of catch those symptoms early so that they can get treatment. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of political and, and emotional <laughs> thoughts around inmate uh, healthcare, but in the end, they're still human. And so it was, you know, it was, it was a uh, fulfilling to kind of try and catch those early so they can get them treated before it becomes full-blown cancer. And did it work? Were you able to detect quite a few people that might've slipped through? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly the number. Um, I know that we had a number of patients and, and we 
managed their care and found, you know, pushed them through the various systems to, to get further care. Um, I, but I couldn't give you exact numbers. Um, it was enough to make it, make it feel like it was worthwhile while I was there. Oh, wonderful. And then, yeah. and then you kept rolling. You moved into a, into a larger hospital, a more traditional hospital. Uh-huh. Um, went, went to a med surge floor and worked there for a few years. And actually more, more traditional. If we went to the hospital for whatever reason, ended up staying overnight. That's most likely kind of what I, the type of patient oh. that I worked with there. Oh, sorry for my ignorance. What's a, what's a med surge floor? It's, it's um, kind of those who come in with diabetes or heart, heart issues or renal issues, kind of acute um, issues. Maybe their blood sugar is too high or various things. And even after surgery, like a, having um, appendectomies or whatever, just not, not ICU level, not super critical, but kind of the step down before they go home manage their care people that still need a lot of help oh uh, yeah definitely so at this stage were you even interested in tech or was that not even on your radar working as a nurse no it, it's always been on my radar i've kind of been a geek and that's kind of been where my heart has been as well and so even in nursing school everyone thought i was taking notes but really i was writing my first php application um, for my wife who was a teacher and had these crazy requirements for taking attendance and, and tracking tardies and and absences and communicating with the parents and so my first application was actually tracking all of those she took took attendance on her back then it was the palm pilot and <laughs> exported a csv and imported into the system um i mean I, I did well in school obviously i wasn't risking anything but the i always enjoyed php and i'd also started building websites for friends and family and uh, church groups and uh, got started in more on that and so Wow, so you built your own student management system? Yeah, I, I wish I still had the code. I'd probably look at it and balk at the horrendous <laughs> code and quality that it is. But yeah, it's been long gone. Well, that's quite an application to start with. And then you jumped from a student management application into a into a content management system, did some Joomla uh -huh. stuff for churches. Yeah. and. Yeah, I kind of started out as just building websites, but then there was the extensions that didn't quite do what I wanted them to do. So I got into the code hacked around and um, between that and the, the student management thing is kind of how I cut my teeth on PHP and lots of Googling. <laughs> so you were 100% self-taught, it sounds like. I am, yeah, no, no official education around computer science or programming. Did you use any resources to try and learn or were you entirely hands-on, I'm gonna try this, if I don't know it, I'm gonna Google it. Uh, did you have any books or formal resources at all? Uh, in the beginning, it was mostly Google. Um, over time, I, I bought a, a PHP book or two just to kind of get into some more of the advanced stuff. But most of it was just Googling. If I couldn't figure it out, just Google to say, hey, how do I do this? And then hacking it in there. So if anyone has used Joomla, would they have come across any of your code, either in the core or any popular extensions you wrote? Uh, not in the core. I never committed anything there. Um, I did easy PayPal buttons for a while that um, seemed to do well on a monthly basis before I just couldn't manage anymore with my commitments with Modic. Um, I, I don't know how popular it was, but I know it, it had a, a number of downloads per month and people used it. You managed to get a job, uh, I guess, in one of the very first employees with Mortic. Uh, tell me about that. How did you... 
how did you get taken on board and trusted with such uh, such responsibility? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, David Hurley was the community manager at Joomla, and so through through Joomla, and I kind of got to know him, and it just kind of built a friendship over the years, and he offered or, or I guess, uh, approached me regarding this vision of his um, as the founder of, of Modic and sold me on it, so I jumped on. So you were employee number like three, four, or five for the company? Uh, number three, after the two founders. So what's it like to sit there with a, a blank sheet of paper and to try and write something like this from scratch? Because most of the big projects that we know are forks in some regard, like WordPress was a fork, uh, Joomla was a fork, Magento was a fork very few of these successful projects are actually someone sitting down with a with a blank sheet of paper what was that like for you well we built it on symphony so a lot of the framework was already there for just the routing and controllers and things like that and but obviously a lot of code went into it and there were many weeks of 80 hour weeks <laughs> of of crunching just crunching code so it, it was a different experience um it was Sometimes stressful, but I enjoyed it, and uh, just building building this thing from the ground up. Did you have anything that led you to think you could handle something like that, or were you just just brave and jumped in and um, uh, feeling a bit better because your boss had faith in you? <laughs> I definitely had doubts, um, okay, because because I hadn't built something, and and the end goal obviously wanted to grow to become become a, a whole community around it and eventually going uh, commercial options. And so I knew, I knew it was going to be big. I knew it was going to be a lot of responsibility. And, um, but it, it was a challenge and it was kind of in the realm that you know, just coding, which is something I do enjoy. And so I thought I'd give it a shot and see where it went. And and, here we are. And how do you feel about your choice of Symphony after several years now? Well, there's a lot in the code base that, looking at it now, I would do differently if I knew what it was like uh, back then. Right? I I think Symphony is very powerful, and, and but there are some things that are just kind of like, okay, I wish we hadn't gone that route, and we're actually looking at refactoring the future versions. But it's I still enjoy it, and I still think Symphony is an excellent framework, and I think I'd probably choose it again. Um, just we would just do some things differently if we had had to do it over again to, to build it from the, the base up. And do you run into any problems with Symphony jumping between versions? Uh, Mortic is, what, four years old now or, or even more? Yeah, that's one of the great things about Symphony is that they, they do really well in their release cycles and they have long-term support versions. So we're based on one of those now. So we have a several years before we actually have to upgrade to their to their latest LTS and um, so we, we try to keep an eye on deprecated methods as we go along as we're upgrading between minor or patch patch versions and just to kind of work those out so it's not a huge jump when we go to 3.0 and are you building a lot of other things on top of Mortic you have a, a SaaS service as well we do are you working on uh, apps uh, like a Mortic app and other things. What kind of um, what kind of other things are the Mortic team working on? 
Yeah, um, right now it's it's kind of um, we have a vision that we've started already with this Maestro product. It's kind of uh, the ultimate goal is marketing intelligence and kind of getting more into that, um, which is some information on that's on our website. And so that's kind of one of the things we're focusing on is kind of the intelligence piece, which is big across all the markets right now, right? <laughs> all the technology markets. So, so how would you describe that to a newbie? If you describe them, <laughs> describe you working on a product called Maestro Marketing Intelligence, uh, what does that mean to someone stumbling on Mortic for the first time? It's kind of, marketing automation is kind of a, I have found to be, there's a lot of automation, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so you yeah. kind of have to do a lot of pre-work to set it up and set up your campaigns and set up your content and all of that. Um, so ultimately, we'd like to see more intelligent-based um, processing. So instead of manually defining when you're campaign gets sent to an individual contact, um, we want to see that intelligently determined so that it sends them appropriate to their time and, and the time that they are most likely to interact with that, that piece of communication. Um, and, and building off of that, going further than that uh, once the Maestro product becomes mature. So the big challenge in marketing automation is it often requires a lot of investment of time and energy to set up the campaigns and to write all the material that goes into it and maybe do some A-B testing and so on. It's a, it's a fairly involved process and that's really the challenge you guys are trying to solve. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen similar products from MailChimp, for example. They have a, a marketing automation side to them and they're trying to do some integrations with e-commerce platforms which will do automatic product recommendations for example mm. to try and take some of that pain point away from people it's not just often time consuming to to create the material but also to keep it updated as well right um, you need a, a large content library often to make marketing automation effective that's that's exactly right so where's mortic seeing all the growth what kind of customers are you having on board for your open source product well, with the open source product, you know, you can self-host and, and a lot of small small businesses are taking advantage of this. And that was our goal setting out with it. The whole vision behind Modic as an open source product is that the, the big wigs out there, Marketo, HubSpot, they're expensive. And your small and mid-sized businesses just couldn't afford those, those products. And so we wanted to bring about a solution to say, hey, this is free. Throw it on a website and have at it. And, and so we're seeing a lot of growth around that of agencies and small businesses and things like that using the open source side of it. Also, oh, a lot of the Mortic growth is from, not from the enterprise customers, but from the, the more, to use a word, ordinary users who might not be able to afford the eye-bleeding prices of companies like HubSpot. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely growing in our, our cloud side as well, um, but there's the significant growth is in the, the community side. I mean, that's quite a an opportunity for open source, given that companies like HubSpot are often in the high hundreds or thousands of dollars a month. Oh, yeah, or more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How is this affecting you? You've obviously took on a, a massive challenge writing this project from scratch. Do you have anything a similar size or anything brand new that you're trying to throw yourself into at the moment? Or have you kind of plateaued and you're mainly focused on developing the existing product? 
Well, we have some uh, we have some features that and, and new products that we're excited about coming up that I can't really go into whole the detail right now. So no, Mata keeps things interesting. We're we're definitely not just continuing on just the code base. We've got some cool things coming up, and that keeps me going. <laughs> cool. Well, it's been a delight to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Same here. And if anyone wants to keep up to date with you or with Mautic, where would they go? Uh, Mautic.org, and they can join our Slack community. And I'm all over that. So. Okay, and so you're teasing some big upcoming news from Mautic. Uh, people might be looking out for that in the next few months. Yeah, in the next few months, definitely. Cool. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Alan. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you.